Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What's up, everyone? How you doing? Episode 795. Don't forget, China Dow joining me in the second half of the show. We're going to be talking. There's a lot of Hell's Angel news coming out right now. Holy cow. Out east in Massachusetts, the wow, the FBI locals, everybody, they just went on a raid fest over on the east coast of the Hells Angels. Uh, we're going to be covering that. We got a video uh, with the news report. Also, a legend for the Hells Angels up in Canada is laid to rest, man, and it was pretty big up there man that i hear also we have a couple of clubs or one club that was charged they're going around it's a puppet club you know what i really hate when they say that stuff no club is a puppet club none not like they talk about it anyway don't forget to like and subscribe over on YouTube. Follow us on all the major podcast platforms where you get replays of the entire show. First, we got a uh, recall. Yes, we got a recall going on right now. Some uh, serious stuff. So pass this one around. Uh, this out of WIFR.com. Park your motorcycle. Company says handlebar bolt can break that's a pretty serious thing you got to get recalled uh the company that makes can-am riker motorcycles is warning people not to ride some of them because a handlebar bolt can break causing loss of steering and raising the risk of a crash the national highway safety administration put out a statement about the warning on Wednesday for certain 2022 motorcycles made by Bombardier Recreational Products, the company is recalling over 9,300 of the three-wheeled Rikers in the documents filed with the agency. Wow. Bombardier uh, reported that it had two reports of stem bolts that broke while the cycles were being ridden. The company is recommending the motorcycles be parked until repairs are made. Make sure you pass that around. Make sure. That's some dangerous stuff right there. And here I am. I was going to say, well, well, you know, China Dow's been wanting to get a motorcycle. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. She can't even ride a dirt bike without falling off. Or, you know, I'm one of the mini bike stuff. So I'm like, I don't know. Maybe a three-wheeler be good for her. I don't know, man. But I really have to think about that type of stuff. But something like Can-Am with uh, we were just talking about that boat serious business man serious business if you know somebody make sure they check up on that recall now big stuff today out of bradford today up in canada the hell's angels are gathering to honor quote a legend 
from the biker community. Man, there's been a lot of legends dying lately. You have Sonny Barger. Uh, you had uh, Mom up there in Canada. Uh, sad stuff, man. Sad stuff. Uh, heavy police president uh, presence surrounds gathering in New Market. Of course it does. Of course. The Hells Angels, a notorious motorcycle club with members around the world, held a memorial ride. My fault, it's a memorial ride. Thursday for Robert Donald Peterson, a 74-year-old former member of the club who recently died. The ride began at 11 a.m. and departed from Davis Drive in Newmarket. The estimated 800-plus riders, 800 Traveled down Highway 404 to a destination in Toronto. Early in the morning prior to run, members, uh, patch members of the Hells Angels, along with uh, many other motorcycle clubs from across Canada, gathered at a staging area just off 404 near Davis Drive at Business Park in an industrial area. You know what? 800, that's a lot of freaking motorcycles, man. That is awesome right there. Hugs, high fives, and fist bumps greeted heavily tattooed bikers as they arrived at the location. The group seemed to be mostly between the ages of 40 and 60s, uh, with a smattering of 20 and 30-something uh, rounding out the attendance. We're actually going to be talking about this next week, uh, Monday, on the next segment. It's a very interesting read about this thesis that came out that motorcycle clubs are in decline. And when I see that a lot of the group is, and this goes towards my demographics as well, most are between 40 and 60 years old and a lot less that are younger. Now we've always debated why that is, but I think it really comes down to not only MCs are suffering from membership and they're going declining, but also regular fraternal organizations like the Moose, Elks, uh, Mason, everybody's experiencing it because there's nobody to replenish the ranks because it's a different generation. So that right there, you know, they're telling the truth right there. Uh, goes on to say there was a heavy presence of the police, of course. You can't even have a memorial ride without these people jerking on your twat, man. You know, that's messed up. Uh, milling about uh, across the street from the location, weld wielding cameras and collecting information as gathering of the size can be boon for police monitoring. You know what? <laughs> you get sick of this stuff. Uh, anyway, Larry Hotchberg, a lawyer for the Hells Angels and a liaison between the club and police forces, that's very interesting right there. It used to be where a lawyer was the in-between. Now it's a little different. Uh, Donnie was a member of bike clubs for decades, and he was the author and wrote many books on the mechanics of the Harley-Davidson. So it was huge. I guess the roar of the motorcycles could be heard for 10 minutes as they all pass along the route heading for Toronto. Man, 800 bikes. That is freaking unbelievable. That's awesome. 
I have a sneaking sub- suspicion that uh, Sonny's funeral is going to be the funeral of all times, man. I'm just saying. Uh, now, let's go to this one right here up in Canada. Charges laid against BC biker gang associates linked to Hell's Angels. The Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit said Zale Cody, Jacob Cavanaugh, both Kamloops and Sean Carlisle have been charged with a total of 13 counts. The men, here it is, linked to the puppet club of the Kalawana Hells Angels are facing a number of drug charges. The combined forces or the combined uh, forces special enforcement unit had a brain fart right there. Uh, they go into the counts, including conspiracy, possession for the purpose of trafficking cocaine, fentanyl, meth, and illicit uh, cannabis sales, because they don't get their uh, tax money out of that. Uh, the investigation that began in 2017 resulted in the seizure of over four kilograms of drugs, a handgun, over 330000 in cash, an arrest that helped prevent the expansion of the Outlaw Motorcycle Support Club uh, for that chapter of the Hells Angels. Cody was a member of the Throttle Lockers Support Club uh, when his uh, Kamloops gardening business was one of the three places raided by investigators. So that right there, out of Canada right there. Now we're going to go to our main story and that is, we got out of uh, Yahoo News, it's everywhere right now. FBI raided a Hells Angels Westport clubhouse in at least one residence in Fall River. You always notice they're always raiding the residences now? My goodness gracious. Let's take a look at this. Police were on the property. Now, this comes as law enforcement across the region are on high alert for clashes between feuding biker gangs. 12 News reporter Anita Buffoni joins us now live in studio with more about those raids. Anita? Well, Chelsea and Mike, the raids at the two Hells Angels motorcycle uh, clubhouses in Westport are part of an ongoing federal investigation among at least four raids that happened at clubhouses throughout Massachusetts. Lines of marked and unmarked police vehicles swarm two properties on Route 177 in Westport Thursday morning, the Hells Angels motorcycle clubhouses. Located a short distance from each other, 12 news cameras captured FBI, Westport Police, and Massachusetts State Police there shortly before 9 o'clock. At least two other Hells Angels clubhouses in Massachusetts were raided in Lynn and Danvers. This aerial footage showing investigators at the scene in Lynn. An FBI spokesperson says the early morning raids are part of a larger law enforcement operation at multiple motorcycle clubhouses in the Bay State. 12 News law enforcement analyst and former head of the Rhode Island State Police, Stephen O'Donnell, spoke generally about the conduct of Hells Angels and other motorcycle gangs. A criminal organization, that's how they operate. They're involved in sex trafficking, extortion, um, methamphetamine deliveries, gun trafficking, you name it. 
The raids come at a time when law enforcement in Rhode Island and Massachusetts are on high alert because of feuding biker gangs. Earlier this month, a member of the Pagans, a rival of the Hells Angels, was shot outside a Pawtucket location the gang uses. In May, a melee broke out at a Fall River clubhouse where multiple people were stabbed. Now, details are limited from the FBI raid from earlier today, and the Westport police declined to comment. Anita Buffoni, 12 News. Multiple Hells Angels motorcycle clubs were the subject of raids this morning. Yeah, it was done by law enforcement as a part of a federal investigation. 12 News cameras capturing these raids on two properties along Route 177 in Westport this morning. And and that out east, it looks like uh, they're hitting up everybody out there. Been a little trouble between clubs, a little bit. And it seems like now it's all over the place. They're just like raiding everybody over there. Uh, I think one of them, I, don't, I might not be sure. I, I think one of them had that, remember that Karen that was out there arguing with the Hells Angels when they were having a party is like, broad, what are you doing, man? What, do you just want to get noticed or something? I don't know if that's one of the clubhouse out there. I might be mistaken about that. Don't hold me to it. Don't hold me to it. But I think it might have been that one. So a lot of Hells Angels news today. Big stuff, big stuff. Anyway, we're going to go to the second half of the show. And it's going to be a pretty, pretty good one. And we're going to be discussing 9-11. A lot of people forgotten about it. And we're going to go into a story that's really going to choke you up. I know it did me. Anyway, right after this music break, China Dow is going to be with us.
and worldwide on WMMRDB. And what's next? Very soon we're going to Mars. Only the best in rock and metal, WMMRDB Rockford. I always wonder if China Dow's from Mars or if she's from some faraway galaxy where they believe in giving men hell. How you doing, China Dow? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Happy anniversary. Well, happy anniversary. Oh, my God. We've been uh, together too long. Yeah, a little bit. Like 28 years. Yeah. We don't even use the 21 as marriage because we were, like, married before then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically, legally, we've only been married 21 years. 28 years with you. What a ride. It has been. It's been crazy. No wonder I'm gray. You know what was funny yesterday watching the kids and stuff? They say, Papa, you're getting real gray. I was like, blame your grandma. Oh, She drives sure, me crazy. Sure, man. blame me. She does. She drives me crazy. How rude. How you liking your anniversary present so far? Which one? I don't know. Which I, one do you get? I got two. <laughs> I got two. You got two? I got two. What'd you get? I got an upgrade on my phone. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> my phone sucked. It died at 66% like every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I got a beautiful ring. Ooh, diamonds, I hear. Yeah. Ah, Hollywood was hanging. Ain't no Walmart ring, let me tell you. Ain't no Walmart ring. We went to K's. (laughs) We went to K Jewelers. Well, it was fun taking her out, getting that type of stuff. Hollywood didn't get nothing, but uh, fuck you. But anyway. Oh, bullshit. Today, we got a pretty serious subject. And it comes actually from a movie that really touched me anyway i don't know about you i've already told you that it is my most favorite adam sandler movie out there it kicked me in the nuts man we sat there and he played that character off the pain of that day on 9 11 mm-hmm. he just pulled it out of the air man he i i couldn't believe the acting in it And I couldn't believe how the whole film had you thinking Yeah, of what them people went through. So if you're wondering what what we're talking about as far as film-wise, it's called Rain Over Me, and it's with Adam Sandler. So let's do a little backstory right now on the writer-slash-director, Mike Binder. Well, Mike Binder really had a goal that he wanted to tell a 9-11 story. And here is why. Like most people in New York during 9-11 attacks, they, everybody, and even those that weren't in New York, we all remember where we were when it happened. Well, Mike Binder, who wrote this movie, he was with Diane Sawyer being interviewed live on ABC when the first plane hit. So, he wandered the streets and ended up spending five days there and said it was just numbing. So, the numbness 
that forms the basis for Rain's central character, Charlie Feynman, played by Adam Sandler. Having lost his wife and two daughters aboard one of the planes that crashed into the World Trade Center towers, Feynman is emotionally stunted and unable to properly grieve or continue with his professional or personal life. He, and that day, everybody knows where they were at. We were in shock of what was going on. I remember I was listening to it on Man Cow. Because Man Cow was real popular back then. And he had Freak Break the News. And at the time it was only one plane. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the second plane hit. And then you had the Pennsylvania and then the Pentagon. We were truly under attack. We weren't thinking, though, about who was on them planes. No. What their families were going through. Mm-mm. It was bad enough watching it on TV. Could you imagine you're watching this on TV and all of a sudden your family member's on one of them? Right. Well, and see, that's just the case with Charlie Feynman in the movie is his wife and his three daughters were on one of those planes and he was actually at the airport waiting because they were going to have a layover and they were on their way to a wedding. Mm. Okay. Now, see, I remember where I was. I was working in Lombard for Harris Bank, and I was in the ATM department where we received all the deposits from all the ATM, all the Harris Bank ATMs. And when we heard about it, they played the sound over the PA system in our building, and we all stood around this staircase, you know, which is where we had building meetings. And we all just stood there, and it was pure silence, listening. And the first thing that ran in my head, my daughter's at daycare. Is she okay? Mm. That was literally the first thing yeah, that we ran were in my head. Back and forth to it. Now this is before we even had cell phones, wasn't it? Mm, I don't know because it was not too long after we got married. <laughs> right. It was a month later. <laughs> well, we got married in July, obviously, because today's our anniversary, and this happened two months September. Yeah, two months. So it was two months later when this happened. And it was, yeah, the first thing that I thought of at that moment while we were all silently listening to everything over the the PA system was, I need to know if my daughter's okay. I need to leave here right now and go get my daughter. And you did. Actually, I did not. You didn't? No. Our company told us that we'd be safer... Staying at work and continuing our job. I'd have said fuck you and walked right out. No one was allowed to leave until we finished our work. Luckily, since we started our day early, we all got done by 1, 2 o'clock. So we were able to leave by 1 or 2 o'clock. Thank God it wasn't a busy day. And just walking out, I remember, because I was at work too... The dead silence. You know how we were near O'Hare Airport and all that stuff. Yeah. No planes flew over, like, where you would normally hear airplanes, like, mm-hmm. every 10 minutes. 
not even every couple minutes. But it's like there was there was no flights leaving or anything. It's like everybody got grounded because there was no flights leaving or coming into O'Hare at that time. Now in the movie it affected this character so bad the PTSD he didn't even want to talk or remember his family. He basically was living his life like he was not married. Like he he didn't even remember his children. He didn't remember his wife. Um and then Don Cheadle Cheadle, is that how you say it? Mm. He played um Adam Sandler's college roommate. And they actually went to dental school together. Yeah, he was a dentist. And they went to dental school together. And he saw him and he was constantly yelling his name because Adam Sandler's way of dealing with it, well, Charlie's way of dealing with everything because of the PTSD was he would put on headphones. Mm -hmm. And listen to music. and, And crank music. Like he was into the 80s, like uh, Bruce Springsteen and stuff like that. And since they were really close in college, he's like, you know, and his friend, he knew about they what were happened. Roommates. They were roommates, but he knew when he got married, he knew he had kids, and he knew about what happened to his family. So he finally did get to touch base with him, you know, and they got close again. Took a while, but they ended up getting close again. And um, he, he plays a character named Alex. He actually got real close to this one where he was the only one that he would open up to. Yes. You know, for the longest for the longest time during uh, during it, during the movie, um, he wouldn't talk to anybody like even even his wife's um parents parents, who were the only basically family that she he had left was his parent was her parents Mm -hmm. and his landlady would basically i guess you could say cock block everybody from talking to him to make she really took care of she she did she took care of him like he was his own you know like family like they were family you gotta, you gotta put yourself in somebody's shoes that went through it. And the PTSD, I think, was really played and brought it to life. How serious that really is. You know, we always hear about PTSD when it comes to the military. But regular old people get it too. Right. And when this happened, I guarantee, you know what? A lot of people probably got PTSD. Remember the jumpers? Yeah, watching them hanging from the windows. And then just jumping because they didn't want to get burned. Mm-hmm. And at that moment in your life, it's a decision. Do I stay or do I go? And you had people holding hands Mm -hmm. on the way down. And those videos and photos are gut-wrenching. And I think about how 9-11 is actually taught in schools because the kids weren't around when it happened. Right. Is it being correctly taught? Or did the woke bullshit make its way into this? 
and that's one time in our country's history that day besides Pearl Harbor that we really all came together mm-hmm. I'm like today well and there's I mean there's all kind of, there's actually two other movies that were released about the about 9/11 which was um World Trade Center that was by Nick- Oliver Stone and United United 93 which was Paul Greengrass well, there was one with Nicolas Cage. But to be honest, I mean, I saw the World Trade Center movie. I will, uh, I didn't like. It. That's because you know Oliver Stone. He's nothing but a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like his movie. I did not like United uh, ninety three. I did not like either one of those movies. Why? You know, I think what it was is it was lacking feeling and emotion. In my opinion. I mean, of course it had emotion because it had, you know, it showed a lot of detail. Like, pretty much what you would see on the news is what it showed. But see, with this movie, Rain Over Me, it went in detail a little bit more on how how families basically would probably be feeling that were survivors of, you know, like the family, you know, they lost their family during this. And I think I appreciated the fact that it went deeper than just, hey, here's the Twin Towers, watch the planes. And we've all seen it a million times. Mm. You know, it was on every news channel. It was all over everywhere. It was kind of repetitious, which, yes, we all needed to see it. We all needed to be a part of it. Nobody could get away from the TV, though. Even though we weren't there... You know, I know, I mean, because we weren't there, but, you know, we personally weren't there, but I'm sure there were a lot of people that were. And, you know, look at all the things that the firefighters and the uh, police officers and all them had to deal with. They were a lot of firefighters and cops were wiped out. But it's like, I like the fact that it was more of a personal experience and showed what, hey, this actually could be a husband of a family that was lost during this tragedy. And and, takes, and you get to see their side. It takes a journey through mental health at that point. Exactly. And it shows that, you know, this could have been, you know, what happened to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was just more, I don't know, it made it more personal, more person, you know, it just movies usually don't fucking whack me out, but that one hit me in the nuts. Well, and it's like Mike Binder said his his thing was he yes he talked to people that were there, he talked to people that were survivors, he talked to just you know like people that didn't even live in the state when it occurred, you know, and he got all kinds of different viewpoints on this. And for him to come up with this kind of movie, I don't know, it it broke my heart, pulled at my heartstrings, it 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 made me, you know, feel like, oh my god, like he just needs a hug. It's one of the movies where we had to go do something and stop it. Yeah, we actually and we paused were dying it. to get back to it. We we had to go run and do something, so we had to pause it halfway through, and it's like a two-hour movie. Mm. So we paused it halfway through, and it's like for a day and a half, we're like, my God, when are we going to finish watching that movie? And mind you, I've seen it before because I actually own the DVD. But other than playing it on a PlayStation or an Xbox, we, we don't, it's like nobody uses DVD players anymore because we don't even have one. But... 
I have the movie, but it's like for I've been waiting because they've been previewing it. It's going to go out on Hulu. It's going to be on Hulu. It's going to be on Hulu. And it came on Hulu. And I'm like, I got to watch this. No sooner than two minutes into it, Hollywood's next to me and we're both watching it. Mm-hmm. But then we got a phone call and we had to leave. So we had to pause it. And I was sad. <laughs> we did end up watching it all. but And still. you heard all the people talking about they want- these were the families talking about how they were on their phones with their loved ones, how they said their last words. And what was really screwing up this character is he was arguing with his wife the last time he talked to her about kitchen remodeling. Yeah, about remodeling the kitchen. And during the movie, he remodeled that kitchen over and over and over again. Yes. And then there was a line... That take off your shoes when you come in because we don't want to get the carpets dirty. Well, he made everybody remove their shoes when coming into his house because his wife used to always say that to him. And we're going to talk about that later on after the music break in a little bit. But about your last words could, <laughs> you don't want them to be angry. And, I mean, his biggest thing is Mike Binder was that he felt that this was a story worth telling. And let me tell you, I agree 110%. It was definitely a story worth telling. Because, again, nobody really thinks about behind the scenes as it was going on. We only were watching news reports. We didn't know the emotions that people were actually facing that had loved ones in there. Right. We weren't thinking about that. Well, and that's just it. Like you said, it's like you could be watching the news and next thing you're knowing it, like a family member could have been on that flight, you know, and it's like, what do you think at that point? And you didn't, you didn't think like that. And what a way to find out that something happened to a family member is by watching the news. And a lot, you know what, in actuality, a lot of people did find Mm -hmm. out. And that was what really pulled at your heartstrings. Yeah, definitely. Especially because he was seeing a psychiatrist. He wouldn't open up. He didn't want to talk to her. And eventually she says, well, you're going to have to talk to somebody. And as soon as he left the office and in the waiting room was his friend. Right. It was at that point point in the movie that he started opening up and you got the whole story right there and he did it with his buddy because he felt that he could trust him and at the beginning of the movie all you had to do was say specific words and he would just like flip and say, "What you have, from the CIA? The he was screwed up, really was." Mm-hmm. And if you think about how this guy wrote, he's seen it all, didn't he? The guy who wrote this movie. Yeah, he witnessed it firsthand because he was right there as the first plane crashed. He was in the middle of a live interview. Mm-hmm. And the interview halted as soon as that plane hit. And then when you seen the towers come down and how all the dust and all that just spread out. 
And all the people who, as of this day, are having issues because of all that. I think they're victims as well. A lot of people are dying. And they're dying from cancers and lung disease and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Because they were the rescue workers, the recovery workers, yep, and the construction workers. It was a poisonous site. It really was. It was hazardous. Yeah. And they went in there and did their jobs. And I can imagine what they were feeling when they were digging through that rubble. Right. They were finding body parts, everything, nothing intact. Well, and I think the 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 part that ticked me off the most during this movie was that the in-laws wanted him um remanded to committed a, committed to an institution. Because of his PTSD. And um, it's like people don't understand that unless you go through something like that. Well, they or, lost their daughter and grandkids. Yes, they they but did. It, but it's like it's it's I mean, they're going to have their own their own thing, their own way to get through it. Everybody has their own way to get through things. But to say that somebody needs to be committed because he didn't want to remember. Well, it did get the reason why he went into the hospital the first time was he grabbed his gun and wanted to die by suicide by cop. Mm-hmm. And luckily, one of the cops went behind him and got him down and stuff like that. They didn't charge him because he's a widower from 9 11. Yeah. But then they started going through the court cases and stuff. And I think the writer was brilliant on showing how the PTSD was in that court scene when he started showing the family. And see that that part? That pissed us off. We were both so mad. I wanted to go through the TV. Because the in-law's attorney thought it was a smart idea for someone who is suffering from PTSD as bad as he was to hold up 8 by 10 photos of his children, him and his wife at their wedding, and and photos of, you know, him with him with the girls and it's like you you don't do that. That's something that with somebody with PTSD needs to do in their own time. Mhm. And this was, I mean, this was set a couple years after the fact of 9-11. So it was like four or five years after it happened. But you know what? It could take many years for somebody to get over something like that. That's not something. That's a lifetime thing. So It's not something somebody's going to get over overnight. And yeah, he didn't want to have anything to do with it with the in-laws because all the in-laws wanted to do was talk about their daughter and talk about Well, they were kids. pissed that he didn't have any pictures, any of that shit. Right. And he said his exact words was, I don't need pictures. Because everywhere I go, I see them. On other people? On other, he'll, he'll see a woman walking down the street and he'll see his wife's face. Mm-hmm. In his own home, he, will, he said he would see the kids running down the hallway. Or his wife standing in the kitchen. So it's like he saw them everywhere he went. Right. He didn't need a photo 
to remind him of his family. See, you're in a position, if you do love somebody and they're going through this PTSD stuff, of trying to intervene for them. But on the other hand, you could be actually hurting them. Well, and a little bit of it, too. Um, Andy, who was his friend, uh, he uh, was... He's married to, you know, this his wife, you know. And the, mm-hmm. the actress that played his wife was Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. I hate her. Any uh, She did good <laughs> in the movie, but I hate her. But I got mad at her during the movie because she would get so mad at her husband because her husband was spending so much time with Charlie. Mm-hmm. I would get so pissed at her because she did not understand that what he was doing was basically helping his friend. And she it took her a long time through that movie to realize that that's what he was doing. Mm. He wasn't going over there even though they went over he went over there and they'd played video games, but it it was being there for him is what counted. And she didn't get that until more than half. Well, the let's movie. look at that in real life. There's a lot of couples that start fighting over that stuff when you start spending more time with the friend than them, and that's when all the bad, you know, scenarios start going up in the other person's mind. Is he cheating? Is he doing that? Why don't he love me? Mm-hmm. When they don't step back and understand, well, wait a second, this person that they're with went through something very traumatic and all they're trying to do is help don't you think the jealousy should be pushed aside at that point because it, it, it could happen in real life it does happen in real life exactly and she's getting jealous over him spending time with a friend that went through a severe tragedy and she knew how bad he was because just he... because of him going by the house exactly so it's like you figure you'd put two and two together or put yourself in that person's shoes and imagine what you would be feeling if you were that person. Well, you can put it in the sphere of somebody, you know, losing a service member in that war that happened over there. Mm-hmm. The PTSD that the family, I think the family goes through it, too. Just like they said. Definitely. It was just amazing. And then you had, you know, because it is fiction, but you had another woman that wanted to blow his friend and started suing him. And then, you know, they fixed it up. But by the end of the movie, she was chilling with Charlie. Charlie. (laughs) Yeah. And he was imagining why she was walking around his wife. Yeah. And it was very interesting. I was, you know, hoping that they'd give closure to the film. But they didn't. You know how they always leave cliffhangers. They lived, They left the cliffhanger. And we're sitting here like, damn, man, shit. Did he make it out of this? It, it had your emotions going all over the it, place. It had you sitting there thinking, well, he's in the, his apartment with that girl. I mean, are they, are they going to date? Are they going <laughs> to... Because both of them had psychological problems. They were both seeing the same psychologist. Yeah, and she actually brought her over. 
Mm-hmm. She dropped her off. But I mean, if I mean, if you guys haven't seen this movie, it's my God, you're missing something. Because this movie is fabulous. If you want to watch it, buy it, or it's on Hulu. If you, it's have on Hulu. Hulu right now. It's by Adam San- uh, Sandler. Adam Sandler is, and the I main even man. looked at, over to you, and I was like, "Man, I never thought he'd pull off a drama role." It, it come on, this is Little Nicky and, 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 he, and Happy he does, Gilmore. Here. He does do a little bit of comedy in it, but it's not as much as you would see him doing in any of his other movies. He plays a very, very, very intense, serious role, which you would never expect from Adam and Sandler. And now he's doing—he he went in the drama because he's doing, you know, that basketball recruiter movie, and he—he's just so phenomenal on how he can hit a switch, yeah, and just move forward. Yeah, it's beautiful stuff. So I mean. I just like that it, it gave an inside look into what somebody went through if they lost somebody in 9-11. Well, when we come back from the music break, we're going to kind of talk about uh, that uh, you never know when your last words to a significant other is going to be good and bad and why you should really keep positive. <laughs>
a quick shout out to my lovely sister, Shocker. Glad you're doing good, and I hope to God you're going home today. Oh, she's in the hospital? She had surgery Wednesday. Oh, hopefully she's doing you know, good. her and I had to both go and get gastro bypass done. And yeah, you dummies. M- mine fucked up, hers is fucked up, now she's better, I'm alright. <laughs> For anybody who's thinking about that surgery, don't do it. Talk to one of us before you do it. <laughs> You're gonna have nothing but problems with it. Yeah, you lose the weight, you start looking good. And I guess you might feel better about yourself, but damn, does it come along with a bunch of freaking problems. Yeah, it's not been fun for me. I know it hasn't been fun for her, but hopefully now that uh, she had what she had done Wednesday, I hope everything is smooth sailing for her from here on out. Love you. Wish I could have been there with you. But, you know, I'm always there in spirit. Boy, is she there in spirit. I can tell you like that, man. <laughs> Always. But hey, let's, you know, compound on that where you went through a lot with this. Yes. It's been, what, 12 years or some shit? Yeah, it's been 12 years since I had mine, and I know my sister had hers before I did, so. The problems that we went through really caused a lot of friction between us. Yeah. Well, like the first, the first, the first uh, seven months of ours, I re- yeah, I thought I was gonna die, which I because you couldn't keep nothing down. No, I mean it was bad. I do blame you a little bit though. Why? Because they told you to stop smoking, you didn't, and you were no, causing no, no, ulcers. No, 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 no. The first doctor never said anything about smoking. It was when I had my bypass reconstruction. In November, he said to stop smoking. That's when I didn't. But it was already too late. But it was causing all kinds of issues between us. And that brings you to... You really got to think about what you say to somebody else. Because you never know what's going to happen to them. And as we were talking about in that movie... The last phone call he had, he was arguing with her. Yeah, about kitchen remodeling. About kitchen remodeling. Mm-hmm. And that kind of puts a, a pause on your outlook on life. I know ever since i seen that movie, I've been a little different. Yeah, you have. A lot different. Uh-huh. And it's not normal for me. Because you sit back and you think about what was trying to be conveyed and you open your eyes at that point. Mm-hmm. That's just like that other one. And, you know, I mess with Tinkerbells all the time. But when you watch that movie, Harvey Milk. Which I was watching the other day when you came I, I watched it. I, I believe Sean Penn really did good with it. But when you watch that, you sit back and see what they were going through Mm -hmm. and how bad it really was for them. It was like they were second-class citizens. Now, I don't believe in what's going on today where they're trying to push the bullshit on you. Yes, you need equal rights. And yes, you should fight for them. But at the same time, you don't want to take it overboard because it fucks up your cause. Mm-hmm. 
And with Harvey Milk, he started out in San Francisco, beating the street, trying to get elected. He finally did. And they were actually pushing propositions back then where they would see if teachers were gay or not. And I sit back and say, man, this was the late 70s and 80s. I lived through this shit. But since I was young, I didn't think nothing of it. But they were actually pushing, if you're gay, you can't teach. Because they didn't want, according to them, you to teach treachery to the kids. When you get and see something like that, and it impacts you, and you start having a different outlook on life, if you will, it's an amazing turnaround. And you feel a lot different. A lot different. Oh, 100%. What did that do for you? Those two movies, what did it do for you? Harvey, The Harvey Milk one? Yeah. The Harvey Milk movie made me realize that people ain't changed over the years. They've actually gotten worse. What do you mean they got worse? The way they think, I mean, it's like, and I don't mean the LGBTQ whatever alphabet. Alphabet soup. The alphabet soup people. <laughs> I don't mean them. I mean the way the average person looks at them. I don't look at them bad. I mean, just I because a teacher is gay doesn't mean they're going to force their lifestyle on your children. Well, nowadays it is. No, it isn't. Nowadays no, they try it, that shit. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. We got to be honest. I am being honest. They're not going to force. If they're teaching a fourth grade class, okay, let's say that there's a gay teacher, whether it's male or female, doesn't matter, and they're teaching a fourth grade class. They're going to teach the way they're supposed to teach. They're nah. not going to sit here and be like, well, because I'm gay, y'all need well, to be they, gay. Well, you know, if that was the case, why they got drag queens showing up at grade schools? That's not during school. Yeah, it's still going after the kids. And that's where I say sometimes they push shit too far. Well, I agree sometimes people go too far. But at the same time, it's like... I, uh, there was a PE teacher in my high school when I went to high school. She was she was lesbian, very very masculine lesbian. And now let's stop you there. Did you girls feel uncomfortable around her in the shower? Me personally, no. But there were so many complaints by parents that she was actually banned from the locker room while the girls were changing. Mm. She was banned. She was not allowed to... And this was in the 80s. Well, late 80s, early 90s. Mm. You know, graduated class in 91. So the whole four years I was there, it started out like half, like at the middle of my freshman year was when the complaint started coming in about her being in the locker room while the girls were in the shower or changing their clothes. But did you have other girls that were uncomfortable? None that made anything, like, made a comment. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure they went home. Obviously, they, some of them went home and said something to their parents because it was parents that were complaining about what their daughters were saying. So the attitude was really strong at that point. Mm-hmm. Really strong. And the school board actually went along with that? They did. They they made it where she was not allowed in the pool locker room because we had a pool inside our high school. And they, the, the, she was not allowed in the pool locker room while they were changing and showering. She was not allowed in the regular PE locker room while people were, ch- while women, girls were changing and showering. She was allowed to come in prior to PE class starting when everybody was dressed. She was allowed to come in when they were all dressed after. And that was it. I wonder what she was thinking about herself at that time that this was all going on to her. have no idea i mean and how it probably made her feel but i mean it's like i mean i see where they're coming from i get it because they're minors and i get it not having them in the you know having her in the locker room but like if there was an example where you know you've got a gay or a lesbian uh history teacher or a gay or lesbian english teacher if they're doing their job and they're teaching you the t- the subject that they're supposed to be teaching, I don't see what is wrong with them being teachers. A regular teacher. Yeah, a regular teacher. If they well, let's, what let's if say he... it's a, let's say it's a gay uh, a gay his, uh, a gay English teacher. Mm-hmm. You if your child is learning how to cross their T's, dot their I's, make perfect sentences, write out really good papers, um, spelling shit correctly, the proper way to do footnotes on a report, the proper way to do... Yeah, but if you're talking doing... in a different incidents, but when you have somebody that's gay in a locker room. Well, I see where they're coming from with that. I get it. Would you be comfortable with that as a parent? Would I? Probably not, If because my, my kids are, you know, they were minors. I mean... If it was a college, it'd probably be a different scenario, but this is because they're adults. Mm-hmm. But when kids are minors, and if it's a gay or a lesbian teacher, the teacher probably, the best thing would be not be in there. Wow. I love it when China Dow's true thing comes out. I mean, if it was my my kids or my grandkids... And it was a gay, you know, because most of our... Because they would come back and say, you know what, you're actually buying into the bigger... uh, But I mean, as far as like a a regular subject, Mm. like math, science, whatever, I don't care. But if it is a PE teacher and my children are minors, would I want a gay or a lesbian walking in while my child is standing there in their underwear? Honestly, not really. Wow. But if it's just a regular subject, science, math, English, whatever, I wouldn't care. Wow. <laughs> it's time to cruise with your sex drive. Grab onto your clutch, put your mind in the air for masturbation and sexual stimulation. Dare you to tell the truth and get your ass out of neutral. It's time to get your porn. Wow, leaving off with that coming in the let's get your porn on. That's kind of weird right there. (laughs) All right, Hollywood. 
pick a number between one and a hundred. Twenty-seven. <laughs> you are the one being responsible for what I am going to say. They always blame me, man, these women. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Have you ever had a naughty experience in an elevator? No. I ain't Grey's Anatomy. No. Aw, sucks for you. <laughs> Have you? Well. Well, what? I had a really good makeout session in an elevator once. That's about as far as it went because the doors opened too quick. <laughs> and back then we were dumb enough to not know push the stop button yeah but when you push the stop button, an alarm goes an off an alarm goes off yeah <laughs> but yeah i had i i did have i did have when was a, this before we met no but when was it in high school what no i didn't do that kind of shit in high school hoffman estates it was before we met. What? <laughs> <laughs> it was an elevator at the mall. 69. What about it? That's the number I'm picking next. Oh, you're picking number 69? <laughs> I'm picking number 69 because that was kind of like a bullshit one. It wasn't too good of one. Oh, this one's going to be crossing some lines with some people. There you go, 69. Have you ever had a naughty dream about one of your friend's spouses? <laughs> Everybody, I think,'s done that. <laughs> Everybody has done that. Now, see, as far as one of my friend's spouses, no, but one of your friends. <laughs> <laughs> I have had a naughty dream once about one of your friends. It happens. It I'm happens. just saying. I'm putting it out there. Yes, you I... have naughty dreams about everything. Not everything. You're a sex machine. What are you talking Not about? Not everything. I don't know you're what you're talking about. You're a nymphomaniac. I don't know what you're talking about. Not everything. But have Bullshit. you have you had a, a naughty, naughty dream about either your friend's spouse or... Is it wrong to Your do friend's that? friend. <laughs> Is it wrong to do that? I wonder. Well, it's a dream. It's not like you're acting on it. I but mean, that's your subconscious. It's your subconscious basically going, you should. <laughs> it's like the devil. It's trying to push you. You got the devil on one side and the angel on the other. And when you're dreaming, that devil's sitting there going, do it. <laughs> you actually bring up a good point because if you're thinking about it, I think that's what leads to affairs. No, nah, I don't think so. Some people actually dream. take you it there. Cannot, you cannot control what you dream about. You can't. That's your subconscious, though. That's your brain telling you something. Dreams are something else, man. They really are. Yeah, but you know what? I've had dreams about stuff that I don't even know why the frick I'm having that dream. Because you're fucked in the head. <laughs> like, I'm sure everybody's always... I, I'm sure everybody has had a dream one time or another where you have the dream of your falling. Right. Okay, well, whenever I have that dream, I fall out of my fucking bed. <laughs> You know what? I walked in last night to turn off the light because you uh, didn't. And I also fell asleep with my box of crackers on the bed. Did you yeah, see that I too? Yeah, I that too. Yeah, you left them there. I'm sitting there saying, you know, she's got her mouth open and she's snoring it up. I was like, damn, man, for somebody so tiny, you snore a lot. That wasn't me. That was a dog. That was you. Nope. I seen you. <gasps> I was, was like, not. damn, man. That was the dog. It wasn't me. Shut up, liar. 
<laughs> I don't snore. She's turning all red over here and shit like I that. I don't snore. Oh, You're my You're a liar. All right, guys, we'll check you out Monday. And that's all for Motorcycle Madhouse this morning. Don't forget to go over to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Install Insane Throttle TV's channel over on Roku. As well as go get the Insane Throttle radio app over on Google Play. Rock on until next time.